book of Matthew, chapter 14. Book of Matthew, chapter 14. Appreciate your presence this afternoon. Appreciate your prayers. I appreciate the ones that are out in the parking lot. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 14. Uh, very simple thought on my heart this afternoon, and uh, I don't think I'll have to draw your attention to it, because uh, most people, it happens to most people, it certainly happens to me, uh, and it's, it's kind of hard to get away from, because whenever you... Uh, uh, compare it to something that we we know and see and do every day. It's it's like you have those squirrel moments. Is what I tell my kids in school. Is is you're paying attention and then all of a sudden something moves in the corner of your eye and it's a squirrel and it, uh, you, you, you you get distracted. Uh, is the point and it, and it don't take much and it don't take long and and if we're not very very careful, uh, we'll remain distracted for a while. Uh, and it, it don't take much to distract us. It don't take much to get us off of our topic. It don't take us. It don't take much to get us uh, away from where we should be, away from where our focus ought to be. Uh, and I find myself uh, being guilty of it myself whenever uh, whenever something stands out. Uh, for example, if if someone has a tag left on their blue jeans, it, it stands out. You, you can't help it. Uh, whenever a, a tie does not match. That's the reason I wore my, my orange and green shiny tie tonight is, is, is to prove a point. And, and no doubt if I would have come around and shook hands and everybody would have noticed and I probably would have got more questions. Mr. Lawrence caught it right off the bat and the, the tie does not match my suit. And if we're not very careful, uh, I, I could stand up here for the next two hours and you not hear a word I say because you focus on the tie. You, you focus on something that, that has absolutely nothing to do with the, the place that our minds should be. And I find myself being very, very guilty of that at times uh, when, I, when I get to studying. And I don't know what it is about my brain. I'm, I'm a different type of person. Uh, I cannot focus unless I'm distracted. Uh, if I sit down in a quiet room and I attempt to read, I can read and read and read and read, and I won't hear a word that I'm reading. I won't understand a word. Now, if I have a, a radio going or if, if something is tapping, uh, if, if something is going on somewhere, then, then I can focus. But, but something has to be... Uh, something has to be going on to allow me to hone in on that one thing. But if we're not careful, it don't take much to get our eyes off of the things of God, uh, especially when our priorities are ever so slightly misaligned. Matthew in chapter 14, we're going to be in verse 28. Matthew chapter 14 in verse 28. Jesus came. Jesus came to his disciples walking on the water. There's a song that's sang, and it's a beautiful song, and it, it proves a wonderful point. It's called Footprints on the Water. I've never seen footprints on the water, but the disciples here this night, they, they saw footprints on the water. They, they looked and they saw their Savior coming to them, walking on the sea. And we're going to pick up in verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, because they were scared. Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if thou, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O, be, o, o thou of little faith, 
Wherefore didst thou doubt? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come to your house and worship this night. God, we thank you for bringing us back here safely. God, we thank you for the wonderful day. We thank you for all the blessings of life that you've given us. For your word, God, that we could be spiritually fed. Help us, God, that we could focus in on you. God, that we wouldn't allow things uh, in, in this world to distract us from you. And God, that we wouldn't allow things in our life to distract other people from the witness that we're bringing. To the love that we exemplify, God, I pray that you'd help us as, as we draw closer to you, God, that we could seek a revival in each and every one of us individual hearts. God, that we could see a spiritual revival in our church and in our community, in our country and in our world. God, I pray that you'd help us that it could start with us. God, help us so we can draw closer to you and be what you would have us to be. Be with us through this service. Forgive us for we fail you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here, Peter did something that only one other person in the world has, uh, has ever done. Peter walked on the water. Peter left his footprints on the water. But it didn't take much. And I don't know if Peter was just one or two steps or, or if Peter was a half a mile. Look, the Bible don't say that, that he got so far. It just says that he was walking on the water just because Jesus bid him to come. And whenever he came, it says that Peter was come down out of the ship and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And whenever you see, and, and I'm going to compare it to a very simple illustration that most of us understand, whenever a kid first learns how to walk, the mama or the daddy can stand over there and the kid just, just kind of wobbles and waddles and shakes and, but makes his way straight to that mama and daddy. And a lot of times you can see it. They're, they're honed in on exactly where they're going to go. Uh, my neighbor's little girl, whenever she walks, she points. Uh, wherever she's going, she's pointing. And, and she's just a walking little thing. But she's focused in on her target. She's honed in on exactly where she needs to be. And here, whatever it says, Peter, that came down out of the ship... It said that he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He was focused on his target. Whenever we pray, are we focused on our target or are we focused on how we sound to other people? Whenever we study, are we focused on our target or are we focused on just getting through Sunday school lesson? Whenever we come to church, are we focused on spiritual growth or are we focused on how much ice cream we can eat afterwards? Are we focused on gaining a closer relationship with God or we focused on being able to see everybody uh, it, it don't take much for us to get distracted whenever Peter struck out he was after a goal whenever we get saved we're, we're then striving toward a goal uh, we're striving toward mastery in the spirit we're striving toward that perfect relationship with God we're striving toward being the witness that he calls us to be the, the light being a fisher of men that he calls his disciples to be and whenever we immediately get saved it is extremely easy because we ain't got very far from the boat. We still remember when we left, how we left. We still know what our goal is. But the further we get down this walk of life, especially in our spiritual walk with God, the, the more things that come around, the more things that begin to pile up in our life. School has started, the more homework that we get. As, as parents, the storm's coming. The more we have to prepare our home. The COVID is hit, the more we have to remember not to forget our mask whenever we leave. The more that this world piles on us, the easier it is to get distracted. The easier it is to find something other than God to focus on. And, and friend, that is dangerous. That is dangerous. Whenever we begin to focus on Marco and Polo out in the Gulf, then we get our eyes off God. Whenever we begin to focus on, on uh, donkeys and elephants, we get our eyes off God. Whenever we begin to focus on the things that the things that God tell us not to worry about, then, then we get our eyes off God. And here Peter began to sink. And, and Jesus will help us if we cry out. 
But the reality of it is we ought not start to sink again with. What did Jesus tell Peter? He said, oh, thou of little faith. Oh, thou of little faith. We're, we're, we're making history right now. And uh, I saw a guy, I think he put it on Facebook a couple of days ago. I don't remember. But, uh, but he said, I'm sick and tired of living my life in a soon-to-be history book. He said, I want a year that don't make history. Something simple, something that, that's easy. But we are. We're, we're walking inside of a history book right now that, that no doubt my kids will learn about the, the pandemic of 2020. Uh, but we, we let these things get inside of our relationship with God. We let these things get in between us and church. We let these things get in between us and the revival that we need. And too many times we allow these things to get between us and being a witness, between us and our concern for the lost people in our church and our family and our community. We let things get between us and God and it gets very dangerous for not just us. Whenever we allow ourselves to become distracted from our purpose, then we're not being the witness that, that we're called to be. And, and I heard it mentioned one time, and, and I don't know how real it's going to be because I've never been to the judgment. But a man used illustration one time. He said, at the judgment, he said, I believe with all my heart that whenever the, the lost are judged, that the saved are going to be there. And he said that, he said, I don't want somebody to look at me and say, you never told me about Jesus. He said, I don't want a lost person to look at me and said, we were good friends and you never told me about Jesus. Yeah. I don't know what the judgment's going to be like. But that's the way, it's a good way to look at it. If whenever we get there, are the people that we're seeing and talking to, or are the friends that we claim to be friends to, are they saved? Or do we not know? I heard a man, a preacher at First Baptist Church of Ruston, he made the statement one time, he he said, if you don't know if your friends are lost or saved, you're not their friend. They may be yours, but you're not theirs. Amen. If you don't know whether your friend has Jesus, then you're not their friend because you're not concerned about their spiritual welfare. And, and that was plain and simple and a little bit blunt, but he got his point across. We get distracted by things in this world and we get, to, we get our eyes off the goal. We get our eyes off Jesus. We get our eyes off the prize. And like Peter, he said, he began to sink. Because he saw all the problems. And he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus did. It's as simple as that. Whenever we begin to sink, whenever we begin to get our eyes off Jesus, Jesus didn't leave us. Jesus didn't forsake us. God didn't, didn't step away from us. God didn't take a nap or a vacation. God is right where we are, where he's always been. It's us that's falling. It's us that's slipping away. And the thing is, we don't even have to say, God, save me. We don't even have to use our mouth. We don't have to reach out our hand. We have to accept that we're falling and believe that God can bring us back. In our heart, we have to plead with God to bring us back. And He will. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke in chapter 10. The book of Luke in chapter 10. We read here, if I'm on the right page, we read here of two people. No doubt in, in very very similar situations. It could have been reversed, but, but we look at two people, sisters. I think they were sisters. They had two different things on their heart. Both had Jesus in their home. But they had two different things on their heart. Luke in chapter 10, verse 30. Excuse me, 38. 
Luke in chapter 10, verse 38. And it came to pass as, as they went, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister, there we go, I knew they were sisters, called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Sisters that had Jesus in their house. No doubt a week and a half, two weeks, two years before this, they were in the same place. I don't read where one was was better than the other, where one was more privileged than the other. I see two people that, that knew who Jesus was. I see two people that, that if you were to put it in today's uh, vocabulary, language if you will, then we're looking at two saved Christians. But they had two different things on their heart. Verse 40, but Martha, excuse me, yeah, verse 40, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost not thou care that my sister has left me alone, has left me to serve alone? Bid her now that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. They both had Jesus in their home. But Martha got distracted. I'm not saying that we shouldn't care for people. And whenever someone comes into my home, I try really hard to take care of them and to wait on them and to make them comfortable. But at the same time, Mary was focused on who was in her home. She wasn't distracted by what she needed to do. She wasn't distracted by, by, by how she needed to take care of him. She wanted to listen to him. She wanted to pay attention to him. In verse 39, it says that she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. There's a time and a place to take care of things. There's a time and a place to take care of the business of this world. But Mary, verse 42, hath chosen the good part. There's a time that we should be about God's work. The reality of it is it should be all the time. But there's a time that we should be focused in on God's work. There's a time that there should be nothing else on our mind. There's a time that we should listen to what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us. There's a time that we shouldn't let the, the things of the world get under our skin and distract us. And, and I look at distractions from two different directions, and I, I want to get this point across this evening. Is, is things can distract us from God. We all understand that. We all recognize that. No doubt we have all faced that at some point in time. But the second part of distractions is, is the ability for something in our life to distract our witness. If I'm going to be a witness to somebody, but that same somebody saw me in the bar room half drunk two days ago, then my witness means nothing. Amen. Me telling them that I'm a Christian means nothing. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke in chapter 12. Book of Luke in chapter 12. We can all do things that each other won't find out about. You can do things that I'll never know about this side of eternity. And I can do things that you'll never know about this side of eternity. But whenever we're talking about our life as a witness for God, there's nothing that God don't see. 
There's nothing that God won't reveal. There's nothing that, that we won't be judged for of God. Luke in chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together innumerable multitude of people, insomuch they trode upon one another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Whenever you think of the word Pharisee, what pops into your head? Woe unto ye hypocrites, scribes and Pharisees. First thing comes to my mind, hypocrites. The Pharisees were considered the religious elite of this time. They were considered to be the religious. They were a set-apart people away from a sect, if you will, that, that normally set themselves above everybody else. They didn't want to be considered unclean. They wanted to be the, uh, the religious dominant group of the day. And they, in their own eyes, they were. But Jesus saw them as they really were. Jesus saw their heart. Jesus saw their hypocrisy. And he said, Woe unto the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For nothing is hid, nothing is covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, ye are my friends. Be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I forewarn you that whom you shall fear, fear him that which hath also hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five, five sparrows sold for two fardens, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more valuable. Now you are of more value than many sparrows. I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, he shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven. But him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you into the synagogues, into the magistrates and the powers, take no thought how or what thing you shall answer or what you shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in that same hour what you ought to say. And that right there is a mouthful. But Jesus was talking to his disciples. Everybody else was around, but it says in verse 1 that he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, He's teaching them here that things in our life, things that, that we try to hide, things that, that can potentially be harming our sin. We can't hide it. We can't hide it from people and we can't hide it from God. We may fool ourselves into thinking that we can hide it from people. We may fool ourselves into thinking that we can get away with it. But whenever we begin to come that person whenever we begin to become that person that, that hides things, that does things that we ought not, that we know we ought not, then we become that person that gives someone a reason to blaspheme God. We become that person that gives someone a reason not to come to church. 
We become that person that allows our life to become a distraction away from Jesus. We become the hindrance. This morning we talked about a stumbling block. That's what we become whenever we allow our life to wander outside the will of God. Whenever we allow our, our, our personal connections, our lusts, our wants. Gosh, we get wants and needs mixed up a lot, don't we? Whenever we allow wants and, and desires of the flesh to come between what we know is good for us in God's eyes, then we become that person that distracts the world from Him. We become the excuse that the religious people use. We become the reason that people won't come to church. We become the reason that people don't believe in God. Well, if that person's saved, I am. I'm way better than him. That's what they say. It's true. I talked to a man, it was probably a year ago. He was on up in years when he got saved and, and he asked me if he could tell me his testimony and I said, by all means. He said, for years and years I went to church, never missed a day. So he said since he was small, he, he grew up in church and he said he loved going. But he said the way he looked at it is that he figured he was saved. Another way of saying that is he thought he was saved. And we're not going to get off on the dangers of thinking. But he said he thought he was saved because of the deacons and some of the preachers that he knew that lived out in sin. That did things they ought not to have done. They got caught doing things they ought not to have done. And he said, I live better than them. i got to be saved. And he was had to be late 50s, upper 60s. Whenever he finally realized that comparing himself to others wasn't salvation. But he allowed those people, he allowed those church members, he allowed those deacons, those ministers, he allowed those so-called Christians to steal his life from him. They took his whole life because he thought he was saved. He assumed that he was saved because he lived better than them. If someone sees us out wallering around and sin, if someone sees us out drinking, if some, so someone reads our name in the paper, he's a member down at Harmony. Woo! What are they going to say next time we invite them to church? We can allow things in our life to come between other people and God. It ought not be that way. But I'm going to say it one more time. We can allow things in our life. We, me, I can come between other people and God. I can be a hindrance to them or I can be a blessing. And I want to look at the ability that we have to be that blessing. Turn with me if you would to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. The book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, and, and I always say it because it's, it's true. We have the unique gift as humans of free will. We have the option to be a hindrance or a blessing. We have the option uh, to be a distraction, to, a, excuse me, to be a distraction, or to point people towards Jesus. It's, it's one or the other. It's sitting on the middle of the fence, don't really last very long. We're either going to be a blessing for God, we're going to be an instrument that He can use, or we're going to be a distraction. 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. Verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain 
the more. I love this verse because I love Paul's mindset here. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not under the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became as weak, to the might that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. It takes a really big spiritual person to have this kind of mindset. To the Jew he became Jew. To them under the law he became under the law. We're all too quick to judge rather than trying to help. And I'm not going to re-preach what we talked about this morning. But instead of trying to jump on somebody, let's try to help them. Instead of allowing our life to become a distraction. And, and, and Paul, what he's, the point he's trying to get over here is, is he couldn't reach the Jews if he showed up with a pork chop in his hand whenever he showed up to witness to them. He couldn't reach the Jews if he showed up blaspheming their religion. He couldn't reach those that are under the law if he lived himself out from under the law that they believed. And so he came unto them as one of their own. And I'm not saying that if we're trying to reach a drunk, we need to go get drunk. Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying that we can't stand on our mighty horse like the Pharisees have and try to reach these people in this world because we're not better than them. We have something they don't have, but we're not better than them. We're going to continue reading. Verse 23. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know you not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to attain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. We live for God, not for the things of this world. Not because it gets us any kind of social standing, not because it benefits us at all in this world. Even if it does, that's not why we do it. Even if, if somehow or another our name does get exalted, let it be for the, for the, for the gospel's sake. Let it be the name of God. And, and you hear these singers all the time. People that clap and, and, and all in the uh, auditoriums where these gospel groups that get together. And everyone that I've ever heard, bar none, Everyone that I've ever heard live, at some point in time in they show in their show, they say, "Give the glory to God, because God bestowed the gift. If God bestows the gifts upon us, He deserves the glory. He don't deserve us taking it from Him and exalting ourselves. He don't deserve us building ourselves up because then we become a stumbling block because we got built up in pride. Paul said he became what he needed to for the gospel's sake. He did what he needed to for the gospel's sake to reach all people. Not to reach the people that were easy. And, and we're talking about three very, very different groups of people here. Not because it was easy, not because it was convenient, but for the gospel's sake. Turn with me if you would to Ephesians in chapter 4. Book of Ephesians in chapter 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Then of that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about whatever wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things which is the, which is the head even Christ. I'm not going to try to speculate over exactly what the problem here in, in that Paul was trying to address, but what I see in this verse, verse 15, he says, grow up. He says, grow up. That henceforth, from this point forward, we're not going to be like children. Anybody ever noticed how gullible children are? It's fun sometimes to pick with them because they don't know any better. The honesty and the innocence of children is, is something that is, is beautiful in and of itself. But they believe near about anything. They really do. They hadn't learned that the world is a, a bad place yet. But here Paul says, don't be like children, tossed about, carried away with every wind of doctrine. Be rooted, be grounded, know exactly where you come from. Don't get distracted. Don't let things just, just take you and run with you. Don't get hung up on semantics. Don't get hung up on language and vocabulary. Don't get hung up on translating and, and, and twisting and turning and, uh, and the things of the world. Don't get distracted. Don't get confused. He said, grow up. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him all things, which is the head, even Christ. Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to close the book of Matthew in chapter 16. Matthew in chapter 16, we're going to begin in verse 13. Jesus asked a question here, and People, if we do our job and we witness for Christ, people are going to ask us these questions. Jesus asked a question in verse 13. He said, Who do men say that I am the Son of Man am? I may have messed that up. Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? There we go. Threw extra am in there. Who do men say I am? Who do men say we are? If you were to ask the ten people that we came in contact with the most this past week, would they be able to tell that we were Christians? Or is something in our life distracting them from the love of Christ that is supposed to be glowing, busting out within us? Who do people say we are? People said that Jesus... Well, let's go ahead and read it. And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist and Elias and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Because of the things that Jesus had done, because of the things that they had seen, they thought that he was a great figure that they had read about, heard about. He said unto them, But whom do you say, whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter said, uh, answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I don't think Jesus got that question mark out of his mouth before Peter spoke up and said that. Because Peter was convinced. There was nothing distracting him at this point. There was nothing holding him back anymore. He was sold out. He was convinced. 
If we're really convinced of the gospel that we believe, do we prove it in our life? Or is there something in that that we do? Is there something that we say? Is there something something about the way we hold ourselves? Are we always the doom and gloom and everything? It's a terrible type of person. Or do we live like we're joyous? Do we live like we have the love of God within us? Do we live like Jesus did? Are we quick to answer like Peter was? Do we have the, the faith of Peter? Do we have the, the audacity of Paul to stand up before rulers and, and tell them exactly how it was, exactly what they were missing, to live our life according to the Bible means that we can't let things come up in our life that can be a distraction. Also means that we can't let things come up in this world to distract us. Because Jesus calls us to witness. Jesus calls us to serve. God calls us to obey. It's very, very simple. And whenever we let things distract us, whenever we let things get in our life that other people get distracted by, then we're no longer doing what Jesus calls us to. We're no longer doing what God's Word tells us to. My prayer to God is that all of us could stay focused on the target. That all of us could stay focused on the goal, and that is the kingdom's work of God. That is the lost and dying world that is around us that so desperately needs Jesus. That is the, the, the people who are saved that have slipped away from Christ, have slipped away from church, and that is the, the community around us that needs a revival in a great way. Oh, I have a verse of a song. We'd like to give an opportunity.